hello and welcome back. We are doing 1983 in our series of movies by the decade. Uh, we've got some good feedback. People seem to be uh, enjoying this format. Uh, I probably mentioned that last episode, but it is good to get feedback on these things and knowing that people are enjoying what you're doing and and that. And uh, we've talked off air about how we could do this uh, next year maybe a little differently. I was thinking about it today. I think you mentioned maybe TV shows. I was thinking music maybe, songs or albums of the year that were that were uh, stand out to us. So we'll we'll have to figure that out. But in the meantime... Let's talk about movies from 1983, and let's start off with one. I said that uh, I think I ended last month's episode saying that this was one. This was the movie that made me think to do this, and it is. And the reason is because I think I've I think we've talked about this how this format's working good for us because we would go back and forth. Uh, a lot of like, hey, we should do this movie. And then, you know, I'd be like, well, we could do this movie. So we talked about this movie. You prepared and watched this movie. And then we never did this movie. So I was like, man, I, I want to let's let, maybe I could work this in to when we do this kind of decade thing. So the movie that I'm talking about is a great nostalgic movie for me. It's Mr. Mom. Now, Rob, you uh, when we discussed doing this as an episode, I believe if I'm uh, correct, you and tell me if I'm wrong, but you had ne- you didn't you never saw this movie before. Yeah, I don't. Uh, this is definitely not something that I remember watching as a kid. Um, of course, you know that 1983 is. Uh, I mean, by this point in our lifetime, like I was 10 years old, so um, we're we're some of the earlier decades that we started with and that we talked about a lot of those movies were like movies that our parents chose for us to watch or that our parents took us to go see, uh, or that we watched because we, uh, had HBO and we've talked about that. Um, but you know, once we started getting into 1983, like this is an era where now you, we're kind of aware of movies. Like you kind of start to know, like, oh, I know this, I recognize this actor, or I recognize this person, you know. Um, uh, you know, other than Michael Keaton, uh, Terry Garr, who's in this movie, I knew Terry Garr, I recognized her from Young Frankenstein, you know. So I was definitely culturally aware, if that's a, a phrase, like I knew what this movie was, um, but it just wasn't something that I saw at that time. Yeah, this was an HBO only for me, and uh, it was like one of those movies that I had seen. Uh, I had seen it in its entirety when I was younger, and then I kind of would catch it here and there, and I always would just get drawn to this movie. And it is a it is a staple for me now. It's on uh, it's on my phone. Like I have a couple movies, like standard movies. So like if I, you know, at work I try to. You know, I'll, if I'm watching a series or something, I'll download a bunch of episodes. But sometimes I, I'm like, oh, man, I have nothing to watch today. Mr. Mom is one of my go-tos. Um, so it, it is, it, it's, I like these movies. And I, I th- we may have mentioned this with The Incredible Shrinking Woman where, you know, you see products. It, it takes you back when you see the products in these in these movies or shows. Um, and it, it reminds me, it was a different scenario, but it does remind me of, when my mother kind of entered the workforce, um, 
not because my father had lost his you know job, but just you know second income. And it was she was a lunch lady, but it just reminded me of that time uh, when she was kind of contributing in that way, right, financially or whatever. So, and um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of movies where they they show that where where the the workforce was you know, being more accepting of, of women in the workforce and everything. Now, if you see the movie, right, you, you can tell, obviously she has good input, but also, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, also, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ron Richardson, Martin Mall is, uh, got ulterior <laughs> motives for her being, uh, you know, promoted in that way. But it, it, to me, it's just such a fun movie. I think Michael Keaton was great in it. You know, I love I love working in the, the line when I can because, you know, I do a lot of my own work uh, at the house, you know, DIY kind of stuff. Whenever I can work in, like the, yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes line. Um, or if I hear someone say that, I, I've heard it in other things. It's just like, oh, yeah, Mr. Mom, when he's talking about doing his electric. But um, it, it just, it's got a great cast in it. Um, you know, Terry Gar, like you said, Martin Mall, he's great. And we see the two of them. Um, or I'm sorry, not not the two of them in that, but I'm thinking of something else. Christopher Lloyd. It's just a funny movie about a guy who, you know, he, he loses his job and, and his wife decides that she's going to uh instead of sitting around waiting to see if he gets his job back or gets a new job, she's gonna enter the workforce. And uh she knows how to sell schooner tuna. <laughs> you know it, it's funny that um that the the whole plot of a movie is that a woman uh moves into the workforce right <laughs> um like now you would think well yeah <laughs> that's not you know i mean dual income family homes are uh, not unusual today right women in the workforce um and then of course you've got the the juxtaposition of um michael keaton you know doing all the stuff at home and and them trying to show that uh you know it's it's harder than it looks right vacuuming and watching kids and 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 doing all those different things um i i I like you. Um, when I did finally watch this movie for the first time, what I was reminded of is uh, I remember, you know, my mom, when I was younger, uh, babysat kids, right? And not just like she babysat like two or three, sometimes four kids during the summer. There would be more. I mean, during the summer, today we would we would call it a home daycare, <laughs> but back then it was like, well, I babysit. You know, I just I would just watch kids. Um, but there was a time when, you know, those kids got old and, you know, she didn't want to take on new families and things like that. And so she went into the workforce and, uh, along with my grandma and they both went to a temp agency and ended up getting, you know, secretarial type jobs. And I remember my mom, you know, telling me stories about, uh, you know, people talking down to her or, you know, making comments to her and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird to see, you know, her side to me is a, a little bit more shocking, I think, than, than his side, because I think as dudes, I think we're programmed to think that we could like being Mr. Mom, uh, is, would be the dream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I no. think we all no. like, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I think like, I think 
we all think we can handle like we i think being the guy in this movie and staying home is easier than being the woman and going to the workforce like that's just but you know i don't know that it is but uh i, I guess they they both have challenges in their own way and i'll tell you something that bothered me um when i first saw this movie was it bothers me when and we saw this with dabney coleman in nine to five where we have actors that i really i feel like i like i don't know dabney coleman and i'm pretty sure from watching on the tv he doesn't know me but i feel like i know what kind of person he is you know and so when i saw dabney coleman in nine to five I was like, that's not how Dabney Cole, he's not a slimy guy like that. He's a nice guy, you know? And so you got Martin Mull kind of in that same thing. And I'm like, I know Martin Mull. Wasn't he on like Hollywood Squares? And I mean, we've seen, and on Roseanne, remember he was the. Yeah, uh, he was the, their their uh, boss at the diner. Yeah, the boss. You know, so it's like you feel like you know these people, even though obviously we don't know them as as real people. But then when you see him in a slimy kind of role, you know, or, or trying to, to take advantage of people. You're like, Oh, I like that guy. He wouldn't act that way. Yeah. You definitely, yeah. You have those, those mind reactions. I, I liked, um, I mean, you, you see how they both progress in, in their each, each of their different roles that they're taking on. And his is obviously more of a humorous kind of thing where mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to shop. He's getting yelled at for going the wrong way, dropping the kids off. And then by the end of the movie, he's yelling at people to go the, the opposite way <laughs> and, and the grocery shopping. And um, and, then, and there's the there's a day where he has to have like, you know, there's an exterminator. There's uh, I think a plumber comes and then there's a TV repair lady that comes and you know, you look back at this movie, like there's, there's really, I don't know, is there TV repair people anymore? Um, my two houses ago that I lived at, uh, which wasn't all that long, 10 years ago, there was a guy down the street that owned his own TV repair business. And I just thought, how long can this, this last? I mean, I guess you'd have to transition into different technology than a TV repair guy. I mean, example, my wife and I were at Walmart last night, and I, I nudge her, and I go, look at this, a 50-inch smart TV. It was a Roku TV, 50-inch, for one, I think it was 198 I mean, it, I think, she, I, I and I don't know if I'm quoting this right, but I swear the TV repair lady says I get $100 an hour or something like that or 50 bucks an hour, whatever she said. And it's like, you know, you, you transition that, you know, 40 years later and you can buy a TV cheaper than what it is to have her come and look at it. So, um, but yeah, I just, it's just a fun movie. I mean, he's, he's the stay at home dad. He's hanging out with the the other moms in the neighborhood. And one of them's kind of giving him the eye and there's that temptation (laughs) because his wife is gone on business, but don't fret it all works out in the end. But I just find it to be one of those, like just feel good movies I really, I really enjoy this one. So I, I definitely think if, uh, you know, you're listening and you haven't seen it before or you haven't seen it in a long time, because as we'll learn as we go on in this podcast episode, things, they hit you different years later, 40 years later, they, you get different vibes for these movies. And so if you didn't like it as a kid, for whatever reason, give it a shot. I think, uh, I think you might like this one. 
Yeah, obviously it, it's more relatable to adults that have been in the workforce that are married, have a spouse that have gone through things like this. I will say just to um, curl back for a second uh, in, uh, in high school, I was friends with a kid and his dad owned a TV repair business and uh, it wasn't a close friend, but I did visit him after school one day and he said, Hey, just meet me up there because he was just allowed to hang out there. Like after his dad went home, the kid could hang. I was almost like a clubhouse, you know, like he could hang out in a business. And then whenever we left and I just remember seeing like hundreds and hundreds of broken TVs for that you could use for parts and things like that. And yeah, I think that has to all be gone. I, you know, I, um, I mean, TVs were, we're at a point they're disposable, you know what I mean? So anyway, I know that's a, a side topic, but definitely, um, you know, those, those type of TVs are, are, um, part of the nostalgia factor, you know, things, uh, that we enjoy, but yeah, uh, I, I second your, your, um, your vote. This is definitely, if you, even if you did see it as a kid, just like what you said, you're going to see it with different eyes today as an adult. So if it's something you haven't watched, you know, in the past 10, 15 years or whatever, definitely give it a, a revisit. It's yeah. A, it's a classic for sure. I, I got to say, and we'll move on to the next one. The, uh, the scene in the grocery store when he, had the, you know, she has to get price checks and all that. And he's got the, I think it's like the tampons or something. She's like, wants to, I think they're on sale. And he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, um, the, I, I, I can recall, uh, you know, I'm married and, you know, so, uh, there's been times where I've had a, buy things that I'm not used to buying in, in, in that first same as him. You're, you feel like you're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> right. Now it's just like, you know, who gives a shit? But anyways, um, so our, uh, our next movie is one that we've covered before. So, um, matter of fact, it was last year, I believe we covered this movie. So you could scroll back in your podcatcher if you want a full review of this movie, but it is, uh, national lampoons, vacation the uh the beginning of the series right this is uh the first um uh vacation movie of course there was lots of other movies in the series they went to europe they went to vegas uh they had a christmas vacation and then eventually the kids rusty had his own family vacation so it, it kind of came around full circle but yep this is the first one you got your chevy chase you got uh, what's her name? Beverly uh, D'Angelo. Uh, you know, and then of course, uh, you got uh, a very, very young Anthony Michael Hall. So yeah, this is the, this is, uh, where it all begins. And, uh, it is a quintessential road trip movie. Uh, so, uh, as far as plot goes, um, there, there's nothing simpler, you know, and, and there's lots of movies that have done this over the years, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and, and, um, I mean, there, there's millions of road trip movies, but the, the point is, you know, we got to get from point A to point B and what adventures are we going to have along the way? And just like what we mentioned with Mr. Mom, uh, this movie works on multiple levels when you're a kid. There are definitely some things in this movie that you will relate to and say, yeah, that's how parents are. And when you watch it today, you'll say, yep, that's how kids are. <laughs> yep, for sure. Definitely. Those road trips can be uh, some trying times. Uh, although my kids were always pretty good traveling. I mean, they weren't sitting with a dead great aunt between them, but for the most part, they were they were generally pretty good with that 
with with the uh, road trips on vacation. But I mean, it's definitely. Um, I mean, I think for me, Christmas vacation is my favorite of the series. I like I like this one probably second. Vegas, Vegas and Europe are kind of. I kind of like Vegas better. I think, but. Yeah. I know Europe's not the European one's not very popular. Um, I don't I don't know why I liked it. I think it was just one of those that I I got caught on cable and I saw so many times. Um, there is also um, Christmas. Is it Christmas Vacation Two? And that is a direct to DVD only. Um, and it does not have most of the original cast, but it does have Randy Quaid. It's all about Randy Quaid. Um, and he messes up at his business and, uh, they pay him off by giving him a uh, vacation on a remote desert Island. And it's all, and, uh, there, it's kind of like, it's very much like a weekend at Bernie's too. Like they, they, they're, there's a metal detector and treasure. It's, it's really, really, really bad. I mean, as far as direct-to-videos movies go, it's really bad. <laughs> it's definitely not worth digging up. But uh, yeah, I, that, that that's a different rabbit hole. Um, I just, vacation. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm looking at the cast and I just re- realized that the, um, the cousin the girl cousin is she was uh-huh. on her, her what's the heck's her name Jane uh, Krakowski I'm like she looks familiar she was on uh, my wife watched Ally McBeal all the time and I'm like I totally know this girl is and I just never realized that that was cousin Vicky <laughs> did you know that what am I uh no I didn't watch Ally McBeal you um... if you if you look at her IMDb you'll totally know her she's been on a ton of stuff. My favorite, one of my favorite lines of the entire movie um, is when Vicky is um, stirring the Kool-Aid with her hand. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Chase <laughs> comes up and he says, and there's a pause. He says, can I help you with that, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is this the one where where she says that uh, her <laughs> she's a good kisser? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My teacher says I'm the best. <laughs> I mean, there's some great, great lines in this. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're uh that that yeah, that whole part was was good where uh where Dow says I have a stack of nudies and he's <laughs> like, uh, can I get one of these? He's like, No, I use them all the time. <laughs> and, and Rusty's like, What do you mean you use them? Oh God! It's a, uh, it's a funny movie. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that the 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 one that gets me too is uh, which I didn't get really as a kid, but when after um they wreck the car, you know, in the desert. Oh yeah. And yeah. Chevy Chase is sitting there with Rusty, and and he he cracks the beer. He's like, you know, uh, my old man shared a beer beer with me, and Rusty's drinking it, and then he hands it back to Chevy Chase, oh, and it's empty. empty. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he's just chugging the beer, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think um, uh, um, there's that moment as of the dad um, where, and Chevy Chase does this in a lot of the vacation movies where he hits his limit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as the the dad on a road trip, I know you've been there. I have been there, Susan. Like there have been road trips 
where the kids are driving me so crazy. And then Susan will come to me and say, you're on timeout. And I'm like, me? I'm not the one that's touching other people. I'm not the one that's doing all this stuff. And she's like, no, I'm taking the kids. And we would always, when we would get to the hotel uh, on our road trips, she would say, I'm taking the kids down to the hotel pool. You sit up here and you just be quiet for 10 minutes. <laughs> so I was, you know, the one that would um, eventually get stressed out to the point. But yeah, vacation, the great thing about these types of movies is um, it's like nothing lasts too long, right? Like they go, remember they go to the Western town and they have the little thing, you know, he takes the money from the register and the, and the guy does the, thing where he shoots the shotgun he's like are you happy <laughs> she's deaf <laughs> um but then when they're done you know they got the scene where they they go to the motel they got to stay there there's the scene where they get lost in in east st louis there you know those there's all these scenes and it's like they're they're specific they're funny and there's jokes but they're generic enough where you can relate to them you're like yeah, I remember the time that we got lost in a neighborhood when it was dark mm -hmm. and, and we were in a bad neighborhood. Or, you know, I remember when we, we you know, uh, my wife and I went on a, a road trip one time with zero cash. And um, all we had was a debit card. And my wife was had just used the debit card at a drive-thru. And when the person handed it back, she had it sitting there and accidentally dropped it. And it fell inside the door. Oh, it fell in between the, the door panel and the door. There's no way to get it. We had to go to a place. I mean, we were like, now what do we do? We, we have zero cash, you know? So, um, yeah, there, there's things like that where it's just like when you see it, it, it's funny in the movie, but it's also funny because if, you, if you're if you as old as we are, you've, you've lived a lot of these adventures as well. Yeah, yeah. Nicole and I were uh, going, I think we were going to Houston, um, and we went, we were going to, we we're going to pull in for the night in, in Memphis. And we thought, well, we'll go see Graceland, right? But it was closed. We got there. It was kind of, we got there late. So we go, well, we'll, we'll drive by it. And it, the area around it didn't seem like it should, that's where Graceland would be. I mean, we pull up to a light and I was like, oh shit, lock your door. And there was like hookers right there and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, is this where Elvis lived? So yeah, it's funny when you you know you're you're road tripping. You don't know where you, you don't know where you're at. You know, well, when, so when we uh, when we were kids, you know, in in '82, uh, we went to the World's Fair, which was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And after the last day, my dad said, um, it, "It was on I-40, and I live on I-40. It's just like you know a ten mile drive. I mean, not ten mile, ten hour drive. You just get on I-40 and go straight to my house." And so um, my dad said, we're going to, after the end of the last day, we're going to drive through. And so that put us driving through Memphis at like 10 or 11 at night. And we went under an underpass. And while we were driving, someone shot out one of our windows. Jeez. Um, and uh, uh, there was a, a, the funny thing was, is the whole window shattered. It was actually the window right behind my, my dad's head. It was the front, the like in the back, we were in a van. Right. It was a window right behind my dad's van. And there was a little tiny hole in the window. And the entire window was shattered but stayed together. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we drove the whole way home. I mean, from, from Memphis, Tennessee. From Memphis, Tennessee to my house is like eight hours, eight and a half hours. 
And right next to my house, like a quarter of a mile away from my house, were these really rough railroad tracks. And when we went over the railroad tracks, all the window fell out. So <laughs> it, it made it from Memphis, Tennessee to a quarter mile from the end of the tree. It had enough. It, had, <laughs> it, it knew like, it was no. close to home. It's like when you it's like when you have those road trips and then you're you know, you're like, Oh man, I gotta use the bathroom. Like you start getting close to home after hours of driving and it's like <laughs> your body just knows. I guess it's not the same thing. So we'll move on. Yeah. Um, well, and you know what? The, you know, the end of this movie too is uh, that that moment where, uh, like, we've all. I don't. I don't know that we've. Um, like, I haven't driven across country to find out something was closed. But uh, I mean, we've definitely had things that we were going to stop at along the way on road trips, only to find out that you know it's closed for the evening, or you know, like. Those kind of disappointments and of course you know this is a comedy so it's it's played up to the nth degree you know but um uh, again it's just super relatable super funny i don't i mean i don't even think we have to say that you should watch this because i think everybody has probably seen this movie multiple times yeah i'm, I'm sure and like i said we we reviewed it last year so it's in the feed if you want to hear our full review on it um, yeah we got lots more details on that one lots of um uh, I think we listened to the commentary track and we pulled out some secrets and things that people didn't know. So that that's a good listen. Yeah, I'm sure that was you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's. So our next movie is a movie that, uh, you know, I, I was talking with my wife about this yesterday and I said, she's like, oh, yeah, I really like that movie. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed it. You know, and I, I said, I, I think though i think you liked it and all the other girls liked it because of all the hunks that were in this movie and i think i liked it and probably a lot of dudes liked it because we wanted to be badasses like these guys in this movie <laughs> what movie am i talking about the outsiders it is um uh so for, there's i got a lot to say about this movie yeah uh but uh but the basic you know is um you know it's a coming of age kind of movie it's a you know you've got the um it takes place in the 50s you've got the two social groups you've got the socias who are like you know we would have called those like the i guess the popular kids or the jocks or something but you got the socias and then you got the greasers um who are uh i mean i i always thought of these guys as being you know basically like the t-birds you know in um in yeah grease um and there's nobody in this film i recognized at all sean same. I had to go and look them up on Wikipedia who they all were. Yeah. And so when I looked it up, there's uh, C. Thomas Howell, uh, who turns out uh, he's a, an actor you might have heard of. And there's Matt Dillon, uh, who's in uh, one or two movies. And you got Ralph Macchio, a.k.a. The Karate Kid. You got Patrick Swayze, who's the older brother. You got Rob Lowe. You got Emilio Estevez. You got Tom Cruise. Uh I mean, this movie is amazing. You know, and, and uh, uh, isn't he a soch? Um, uh, Leif Garrett. I mean, he's yeah, in the movie. He's the one I who mean, gets it... he gets killed, and and yeah. and uh, Darren Dalton, who plays Randy, uh, who ten, who who turns out to kind of like be level headed, but still gives into it. Uh, that's the fourth guy that was. These guys were all in uh, Red Dawn together as well. Not all these guys, right. but four of the guys. C. Thomas Howell, you know, Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, and, and Darren Dalton, who played the mayor's, I think, son who kind of uh, t- 
turns them in. Uh, yeah. In, uh, yeah. Red Dawn. My favorite part of the Outsiders is when they're getting ready to fight and they stand up and they go Wolverine. Oh wait, that's yeah. it. Oh, wait, I got, <laughs> I'm confused, but. Um, yeah, so I mean, this is definitely one of those types of movies, you know, like we have, um, uh, the like we, we did the Breakfast Club. I think we covered that on Throwback Reviews, where you have these movies and everybody in it is a star, you know, and so everybody in this is is um, this is definitely not one of those movies where uh, it's a bunch of unknown people, mm-hmm. but uh, but the trade off of that is you get some good acting. You know, I mean, uh, you really get the the sense of drama in this movie. Um, I mean, again, this is your basic coming of age kind of story. You know, I mean, you you got the the younger kids that are hanging out. They're learning, you know, about their place in society from the little older kids. And then you got, you know, the older, older guys. Um, You know, you got Patrick Swayze and, and Matt Dillon, who's a little bit older. Um, and you kind of see like which direction they're going as well, you know, and, and, um, you know, watching this movie and as it relates to modern times, because even though it's set, uh, you know, in the fifties or whatever, but there's still uh, things that apply today. And, you know, when, when you, we hear, um, kids who have got killed, like there's been a shooting or this or that. And you just think, man, how pointless is it? You know, it's pointless. And when you're watching this movie and you're like, they're willing to, you know, to fight forever, these other two. And then you just think, man, in a couple of years, this is not going to be important to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, but at that time, it just seems like it's something worth fighting for forever. Yeah. Um, so a couple of thoughts. Oh, and, and also while you're talking, I wanted to ask, is this something that you saw back in the day? Or yes. Is this a, a new one? Okay. Yeah, this is definitely an HBO-only movie. Um, I, to be quite honest with you, I never had a desire to watch this movie as an adult. I, I My wife watched it with my daughter, and I was probably invited, and I was like, no, I don't need to watch The Outsiders. Um, but I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad you brought this one up. I, I'm glad we, I, you know, we were we're talking about this one. There were some things, you know, because of this cast, right? And if you, when you watch it, pay attention to like the music, the scoring of it. It seems like they were trying to make this like real cinematic um, blockbuster of a movie. It's, it has that that feel to it, but it doesn't fit. For me, it just doesn't. The music just didn't fit. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I guess they, I guess they just kind of skipped where, you know, so you got Pony Boy and uh, Johnny, who, well, Johnny kills Leaf Garrett's uh, character, right? And so yeah. they're on the run, and Matt Dillon uh, knows of a place that they can. Uh, hide out at right he says take this train and go there's this abandoned church i mean i'm, I'm wondering how this da- dallas knows where this is but okay we'll give it to him and they're there uh, excuse me and so later on there he comes back out he tells him to hang low and then he goes back out and he says let's go get something to eat and at this point they've cut their hair uh pony boy has dyed his hair you know or bleached his hair i guess you'd say with Stay peroxide right pony boy yeah 
And uh, there's definitely a moment where I was like, oh, this is uh, interesting. When they were like talking about the the poems and the sunset, the way, again, it just had this like cinematic, bigger than what the movie was kind of feel to it, for me at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so when they go out with uh, with Dallas and they come back, he's taking them back to the church. And now there's a fire and there's a bus and there's like kids in there. And I'm thinking, why? You know, I, I said this to my wife yesterday. I go, I don't get why these kids were in this church or why they were even there. And she, so of course, you know, she looked it up and she's like, well, it just says that they were having lunch there. And like, but how are you supposed to know that as just viewing the movie? It just didn't, it just didn't flow right for me. I, I just felt like they, I know what they were doing. They were trying to get this redemption right um, for them, but I felt like they, it could have been done a little differently. I, I just didn't like that whole part. But yeah, it feels a little forced. In it the movie. felt very uh, forced to me. I mean, whatever. But then when they when they so when they obviously go back to the town they're at and everyone knows they're back, there's so I'm believing that it's just because in the fifties and like it was self defense, so there's no trial, no nothing going on. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like does, Pony Boy just yeah, I mean, it, I could get Johnny because he's like <laughs> laid up dying in a bed from burns, but Pony Boy's just kind of like Yep, I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm chilling with the rest of the greasers. Like, yeah, I was back. I was gone for a couple of days. Yeah. Cool. It's all good now. Um, so back on the day, did you see this? Uh, did you say this was an HBO view yes. for you? Is yeah. That, okay. So for me, uh, it was definitely, uh, I definitely saw it on HBO. But uh, we were also uh, forced, sounds like the wrong word, but forced to read the book in school. And the reason is because uh, the outsiders, the book is written by S E Hinton, who's from Oklahoma. So if you go to elementary school or high school in Oklahoma, at some point you're going to have to read the outsiders. It's like a required, like a, a, a rite of passage uh, in middle school or high school. You're going to have to read it, and then you're going to have to watch it in class. So uh, I hadn't seen the movie on HBO, but I also read the book in school, and then we had to do a lot of, um, uh, you know, like assignments and stuff based on The Outsider. So, um, again, you know, if you're, if you're from Oklahoma, you probably have more exposure to this than most people. Now, when I was in middle school... Uh, maybe 10th grade, it could have been 11th grade, but uh, but somewhere around there, uh, I went on a field trip. They took us to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a couple hours from here. Let me guess, you had and lunch in an abandoned church. I did. I saved some kids, and then I <laughs> dyed my hair. And um, But don't tell me, I'm still laying low. And um, we were at this hotel, and outside the hotel, like at the end of the street, it was kind of like a, almost like a dead-end street, looked like, and there was this payphone. And someone goes, you know what that payphone is, don't you? And I go, no. And they said, that's the payphone for the Outsiders. When Matt Dillon, uh, you know, oh, was running after he got after, shot. Yeah, after the the uh, uh, he holds up the gas station or whatever, um, and he's running and he goes to the payphone. That's the payphone he stops at. And so I knew that the Outsiders was written by someone from Tulsa. But I didn't know it was actually filmed in Tulsa. And so I believe it was in the um, uh, 
there was a documentary a year or two ago that came out about the girl who played um, Blossom. Um, and uh, she is friends with uh, Danny Boy, uh, the rapper from House of Pain. Dump it out. And uh, she says, hey, I'm going to go visit him at this museum he owns in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so she goes there with some other people that are all famous people, and they end up, and it is the house from The Outsiders. Huh. So the actual house uh, is in Tulsa, and I have driven past it. Now, there's a museum, and it's similar to the Christmas Story Museum. You could pay money, and you could go inside, and they have some memorabilia and, and things like that from the movie and information about the movie. I don't think it's as... Um, you know, as well done, probably, or I don't, I don't want to say well done, but I don't think it's as big of a draw, let's say, as Christmas story, right? right? Yeah. But, um, but uh, it's literally. And by the way, how miserable would it be if you bought a house and then they turned the house next door into a museum? I mean, there were cars lined around the block and there were people coming and going. I felt so bad for the neighbors because it's literally like on a corner lot in a neighborhood. It's just a normal house. But, um, so I have, I haven't gone into it, but I have been there and, and like the, uh, so I did the free tour. I drove really slow. I told Susan, Hey, slow down. So I could take some pictures at the window. <laughs> and then I yelled, stay gold. Like I was the first person to ever do that. My <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure 82 people a day say that, but, um, uh, but yeah, so it was all filmed in Tulsa and, and you can, um, like I said, the house looks exactly like it looked in the movie. And, and, um, I don't know if the payphone is still there or not. Most payphones are gone by now. So maybe the payphone's gone. Well, you just reminded me, um, when you said when he was in there after he got robbed the, the store, did you realize that there's actually five people in this movie? That were in Red Dawn. The no. store, the store clerk. He was in Red Dawn. He was uh, what I forget, oh. Strolnikov or something like that. He was he he, oh. he lets him go. He lets that he lets uh, Rand or uh, Randy Quaid. Jeez, <laughs> I'm sorry. He lets Patrick Swayze go by when he's yeah. carrying, when he's carrying uh, his brother. Yeah, that, that's that, he, sure enough. that's the historical. I I never. I mean, I, I haven't watched it, but I noticed it when I was watching it the other day, and I was like, "Wait a second. I had to scrub back. I'm like, "Wow, there's another one." So now I I want to throw in one one last thing. That's sure, like, I was set to come in tonight to tell you how much I love the soundtrack of The Outsiders. <laughs> I love the song. Uh, on the dark side. I loved all these songs. And then I looked it up and those are all songs from Eddie and the cruisers, which is not this movie. <laughs> and so I was like, well, did the outsiders have a soundtrack? And well, I looked it up. The, I yeah. think the opening and closing is a Stevie wonder song, right? It is called stay gold. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, not, not the big hits, uh, that, uh, um, it's not the soundtrack I was thinking of. So I'm glad I did that. Sometimes uh, these podcasts, as you know, um, we talk about things, you get me excited. And before the show is over, literally when you're uh, doing the end, I'm on eBay. I'm like, all right, what am I? I'm going to order some stuff right now. So I'm glad I didn't run out and buy the Outsider soundtrack because I would have been uh, sorely <laughs> been disappointed. disappointed when that arrived. Yeah. Just me and Stevie Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> 
so you know what? This is definitely on a recommended. Uh, I would recommend to watch it. I did enjoy it. I mean, I, I would watch it again if I. It's on my Plex server now. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't see myself watching anytime soon, but. It's definitely, uh, I go, man, I don't know why I was so resistant to watching this. I, I, I don't uh, I don't get it. I mean, I got to tell you this, too. Like, um, Matt Dillon, back in the 80s and 70s, like we did, uh, I think we did the, the movie Over the Edge. Um, we did early My Bodyguard, didn't yeah, we? My Bodyguard, Over the Edge, yeah. where he, uh, the whole town of kids kind of like, Yes. get crazy and everything and i think he gets killed in that movie as well like as a young kid man i <laughs> not a real great role model but man i think he was the best i thought I'm like, he's a man. great actor but in body like my bodyguard i think we talked about this at the time but like me right now like 49 year old me i'm still afraid of matt dillon i feel like that like i'm, I'm not afraid of adult i'm afraid of 13 year old matt dillon or however old he was at my yeah. body or 14 15. like i feel like that matt dillon could still beat me up um and he was just he that dude is um he just played that smart ass tough yeah. didn't give a crap character really well and we were just actually a couple nights ago we were watching with my daughter uh something about mary oh and yeah, i mean yeah. the part that he played was perfect he was perfect mm-hmm. yep so snarky guy that's all i got on the outsiders um if you're ready we will move on to our next movie which is a uh, i believe it was like episode 46 or 49 that this will not be in your podcatcher feed because of some issues we have but if you go to throwbackreviews.com, we do have an archives link that has a page with links to all of our old episodes. And I believe this was like 46, somewhere in the 40s. And it is uh, War Games. You know, uh, we, we struggle when we put these lists together for this show because, um, you know, we don't want to just rehash all the movies that we've reviewed in the past. We don't necessarily want to do all the big blockbusters because you've already heard uh, about Return of the Jedi. You already know the big movies of 1983. And War Games is a pretty big movie in 1983. But sometimes when you see the list of movies and it's a movie that had such an impact on your life, uh, it's unavoidable. You just have to say, I've got, I can't, I can't ever talk about the movies of 1983 without touching on war games. Uh, I'm sure I've said this on the war games episode. Um, definitely go back and give uh, the war games episode a listen because it's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, but you know, it, it's, I mean, it's a story of me. I mean, except for the part where he, you know, almost starts nuclear war and, and then goes to jail and then goes on an adventure and goes to a secret. Just think, you know, if it was you, you, yeah. would, you would have known Dabney Coleman. God, wouldn't that be great? And I'd have access to the whopper. The, can I, can <laughs> the, I just say, I love my father. I would never give up my dad, but if I had, if they're like, look, you got to pick <laughs> another dad. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's from, maybe it's from cloak and dagger, but I'd want Dabney Coleman. That mustache and just his delivery, uh, the way he talks, <laughs> he's just so and cool, if you, man. If you and if you get cloak and dagger, Dabney Coleman, you get two dads. That's because right. You get regular dad and you get Jack Flat. Yep. Uh, 
So, um, you know, when, when I, I, I know I told this story on that episode, our first computer, well, we had a TRS-80 Model 3 when I was a little kid, but then we got a clone of the Apple II called a Franklin Ace 1000, and it had a modem, and so I started calling BBSs, you know, and when you logged in, it said you got to put, put a name, and it's, but it didn't say put your name, it said put an alias, so you had to become someone else. You didn't want people to know your real name. It was, it was uh, secretive, you right. know? And I was like, I'm going to be Robbie Franklin <laughs> because we had a Franklin computer. It was such a terrible, bad alias. And people thought it was my real name. And they were like, don't use your real name. I'm like, I'm not. It's a super secret alias. you know. And they were like, that's terrible. Don't be Robbie Franklin. And so I was like, well, who... Like what alias and other people were like, you know, the condor and, uh, you know, the evil slime doctor. And I was like, who do I want to be? David Lightman. And so David Lightman, of course, is Matthew Broderick from War Games. And I changed my alias. I was like, I'm going to be David Lightman. And there are two problems with that. Number one, people still thought it was someone's real name. Uh, and number two, there were David Lightmans in every city across the country. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, I'm going to be David Lightman. Um, God, you get, you get, um, Matthew Broderick. Um, he's not quite as, um, he, he's got that charm. It's not quite the level of charm we get at, um, in, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off because in that, you know, he's, I mean, there's a lot of scenes where he's like looking at the camera, you know, doing the little hammy. So it's not quite yeah. that level, but man, I mean, I like, and this is the God's honest truth. Uh, and again, I know I'm probably repeating stories. I'm sure I'm repeating stories that were on that podcast. But uh, several years ago, I got the chance uh, to meet for a few days and hang out with Kevin Mitnick, who was known as one of the most infamous hackers on the planet. And um, he, he actually came to our work and stayed here for a few days in Oklahoma. And I had to be, um, his, his, um, uh, guardian, you know, like I, he couldn't be unescorted. They were like, this is a guy who's into prison for hacking. He, you can't let him run around work <laughs> without being, um, uh, somebody with him at all times. Right. So you were a and chaperone. So, yeah. <laughs> it I wasn't mean, for I his just, protection. I thought you were meant it was, no, for, his, it was no, for the company, no, for the government. No, yeah. It was, Right. So yeah. So he wouldn't touch the computers. And um, uh, so so I'm picturing this guy walking with you, and you have to keep grabbing because every time he stops, he's just trying. To, he's trying to like like type on keyboards as you're walking. You're like, no, come on, let's go, let's go. The where, where he probably really is, didn't care at all. He did not. He couldn't care less. And um, and the thing about it was is that this was um, he he uh, had been. They held him in federal prison for five years and never filed charges so then eventually when they did file charges which by the way is illegal um but when they did file charges they were like and eh, we're going to give you time served and so they let him out um but he had an agreement where he couldn't uh, use a computer for like x amount of years like five years or 10 years he couldn't use a computer and so Instead, because he had to make a living, he decided he was going to become a public speaker and he was going to talk about, you know, he wrote some books and he's going to be a public speaker. So this was basically his first big speaking engagement uh, was was um, at my work. 
So, um, not the first day, but the second day that he came, everybody kind of dressed, uh, you know, dressed up cause we had a speaker and all this. And again, I want to paint this picture. Nobody at this thing at my work knows who he is. They're like, Oh yeah, he's some what about guy you? He's here to speak. I am like, I brought in a stack of things for him to autograph. And, um, like I brought in, like I had hacker magazines and I was like, you were in this seven years ago. Will you autograph this? And I mean, I was total fanboy. Um, it, it was embarrassing. My wife did, was like, did he appreciate it or no? Or was he annoyed? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, he, he was like, oh yeah. You know, and he would say, he was like, um, you know, oh, well this happened. I'm like, oh yes, I know it's on page 172 of your book, <laughs> but uh, everyone else, it was a work thing and everybody else dressed really nicely. And I wore a, um, a Hanes or a Hayes is a Hayes Hanes pocket t-shirt, uh, that was green, which I owned and a blue hoodie. And then, uh, later on I was like, Hey, what do you think of the outfit? And he was like, Oh yeah. Blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it's with David Lightman wears in war games. That was a, it was like a reference He's like, to war games. Oh, okay. He was like, "You are freaking weird." <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, this is a whole movie about a kid who gets a home computer. He hacks in. He changes his grades to impress a girl. I mean, he changes his grades, but he changes her grades to try to impress her. Um, he ends up getting mixed up in this uh, dialing in unknowingly to a, a war computer that's owned by the government. Um, it's got uh, chases. It's got, uh, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, one of the most terrifying scenes in this movie is when he's already paranoid because he knows that he dialed into something he's not supposed to do, which, I mean, I think everybody that was my age that was into computers I mean, we didn't all dial into government war computers, but everybody dialed into something and then was like, I shouldn't have done that, <laughs> you know? And then he starts getting paranoid and he goes to 7-Eleven and he's watching over his shoulders. And then this van pulls up and the door opens and they grab him and throw him in the van. And I was like, that is terrifying, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. And of course, um, you know, the, the good guys win at the end. There's a lot of... Um, uh, great quotes, um, you know, uh, uh, at the end of the, of the movie, you know, we've got, uh, Joshua, who's the computer that was, um, programmed by Falcon and, and, uh, you know, he's like making play tic-tac-toe and he learns, um, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, well, you, had every s- minute of this movie is great. I yeah. Love I love this movie. I think he was great in this role. Like you said, it wasn't the 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 charm that he has in Ferris Bueller. It was a totally different character, but he has it in this, and he I I really liked him in this movie, um, and, and as well as as uh, Ali Sheedy, I thought she was great in this movie. But she's wonderful, just just bubbly, attractive. Um, I mean, one of the great jokes, you know, was the first person. To- to suggest what is it uh non-sexual reproduction or asexual reproduction uh your wife 
Oh man. Well, you had said, you know, we 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 are trying to stay away from the big big blockbusters and this was obviously a big movie, but I don't think it's at the same level as like the Indiana Jones or or, you know, like you said, Return of the Jedi is out in theaters this week again, 40th anniversary, my son's going. It's not it's not the same. I I think there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of people going, "Man, I remember seeing that movie. I'll check it out." And I think if you do, I think you'll be very very happy that you watched this movie. You don't have to be a computer person or anything. Just it it it's a it's a great movie. The opening scene, I just love it. I love the opening scene when the guys are down in the missile silo and mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, you know they're they're supposed to push the button and they they don't want to, and they're supposed to I guess take take them out if they don't follow orders. So um, yeah. it's all just, you know, it's I- all a drill, which leads into. Um, you know how we get into the the computer. Why they system. need the whopper, right? Yeah, yeah you can't yeah. have the people. Um, when we went to North Dakota uh, on vacation, I mean, we we did not let me backtrack that. We didn't go to North Dakota for vacation. We went on a vacation to many places, and one of which we stopped in North Dakota. Uh, but they have uh, one of those silos that you could tour, and and it looks just like a house out in the middle of nowhere. And you go into the house, and then. All of a sudden, there's an elevator that takes you down. That's crazy. And we went, we went in there, and um, it's exactly like the movie. That I mean, is it cool. looks just like that. It was so cool. Um, the only other thing I can I can think to say, uh, which I again I I know I'm repeating myself, but um, uh, at work they change uh in the very early days we had to have eight character passwords you know and then they changed us to you had to have at least um a 10 um character password and so i changed my password to um cpe 1704 tks which is the launch code at the end of war games when it's trying to figure out how to launch the missile so it definitely a, a big influence on my life for sure yeah well i used to use uh 4816 2342 for a lot of my passwords and stuff like that. I used to. I don't anymore. Yeah. Which are the numbers. Yeah, I know. Lost. I can't use this one anymore. <laughs> so, well, that definitely, I think we don't even need to say, but yes, we highly recommend watching that movie. Tonight. Again. Don't watch it tonight. Yeah. So, this next one, I never even knew existed. It's not, it was a, a why don't you introduce it? Because you, you introduced it to me, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, so uh, there were uh, several, at this time, movies, uh, mostly uh, made-for-TV movies uh, about nuclear war and uh, the effects of nuclear war. Uh, one of the big ones that's, that a lot of people talk about is um, The Day After, mm-hmm. which is um, kind of, a, you know, a lot of people are familiar with that one. But I, I think this one's slightly lesser known, but it's called Special Bulletin. Now, Special Bulletin is, I mean, you can sum up the movie in 30 seconds. And basically what it is is the, the whole movie is presented as, um a a live tv broadcast and what's happened is is that there are um uh there are these protesters that are um uh protesting that they've gone on strike and then what happens is they send in a cameraman and a reporter and all this and they ended up that the, the ter- we'll call them terrorists they they take the people hostage 
And then they they change their demands, and then they say, uh, and it's all in South Carolina, by the way. Um, they say uh, we also have a nuclear weapon, and if you don't do what we say, we're going to detonate this nuclear weapon. And so, the majority of the film is them negotiating with them and talking about what the effects could be, um, and and, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this because really this is more than than just this movie um, that I wanted to talk about, but. Uh, at the very end of the movie, uh, they they decide to raid the the boat where they've got the hostages, and during the raid, the nuclear weapon is detonated, um, and so uh, uh, then we get to see the after effects, um, but only, only very briefly. It's not like weeks or months into the future, like you know, right. radiation things like that. We just get to see the uh, but the that's immediate, but know. that's brought up purposely i think so they're you know because they're not going to do that but the fear of the radiation right the one reporter who was there she's like is the radiation coming now mm-hmm. you know because it and, and and i know this this was more um not so much about the special although i i did enjoy it and i thought it was done really really well and here's the thing is like i only watched Probably, I mean, I I went I would like go back and scrub back and watch some scenes like when the detonation and all that stuff because they are like oh we have it on camera, but I listened to a lot of it, which was a, kind of a cool experience, mm-hmm. uh, War of the Worlds ish kind of you know Orson yes, Welles yes. kind of thing because I was at work and I was like uh, I had started it <clears throat> and 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 you had even told me like look if you don't get a chance to watch this it's really more about us growing up in this time of the fear of nuclear war. But I still wanted to watch it, right? I still wanted to have some sort of base of, you know, what was going on. I really enjoyed it that way. <laughs> like, listening to it, it felt so real. Um, but to get to the reasoning why, wow, was that such a scary time. I've told my kids it was such a scary time. And it's somewhat relatable these days with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and that whole, um, you know, basically holding that threat over the world's head, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to get political or anything, but I'm sure that's a lot of some resistance of not involving because of that fear. But man, when we were growing up was that, there was two things, right? For me, at least growing up, it was AIDS and it was nuclear annihilation. Right. Were the two right. fears um, from childhood, terrifying. Like mm-hmm. it, it was always feeling like something could come on and you had stuff like this, which I did not see, but like you mentioned the morning, the day after, which was another, uh, made for TV program, right. Movie that was played. And I remembered that. And then of course, you know, we all, if you had HBO only, you saw the thing with Nostradamus <laughs> and the last, the oh, last yeah. story was about <laughs> the middle East starting this nuclear war. And so it was just like, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. First of all, I just got to say this. We're someday we're gonna have to do an episode about the Nostradamus special <laughs> and the things <laughs> that played out. I mean, I think that's a, a huge thing that all of us uh, grew up watching. You know, um, I I know that um, I I think it's actually the day after. I don't think it's this one, but I think the day after is the one that Ronald Reagan actually watched. Uh, and then was like had to address it and and changed policy and stuff based on that movie. So so these movies were definitely it wasn't just like a special that nobody saw, right? Like it was a big deal. And 
Um, I remember there's some things where I, I hate to say like that you had to be there, but I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably generally been you there know, in, in our age, right? Our age bracket or that general demographic. But I remember going to school. Uh, I mean, there, there was one point where like an airliner got shot down or something. And I just remember th- like teacher, I had a teacher, like someone asked her the day, like kids were scared and a kid asked, like, you know, what will happen if there's World War III? And and the uh, teacher said, well, don't worry about it because we're so close. We're like 20 miles from Tinker Air Force Base, and that'll be a primary target. So don't worry. We're going to get wiped out first. We'll just get vaporized. And I was like, why would you tell fifth graders that? Uh-huh. Like, I'm the, <laughs> like the whole day we're like... Well, why am I doing homework? I don't, you know, we're like crying, holding each other. Like we're not, we're going to die. So, um, man, it was just, it was like one of those things, you know, like we didn't, um, you know, not like the, the old jokes where they, they do duck and cover and made kids uh, do drills under their desk. But, um, I, I mean, how, there were so many movies and books and, and specials like this where, where you were like, yeah, even if you didn't get hit with the original blast, you're going to get radiation and then you're going to get, you know, and if you watch the Nostradamus thing, you're going to turn into like a zombie type guy or something. I think that's what I think that was a night of the comet too. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, so, you know, I had mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, sometimes you watch something or whatever and your thoughts change as you get older with, with these movies. You may not have liked it or you liked it and you didn't whatever. The, my feelings um, with all of this, right? So as a kid, I, I still generally live where I grew up in this in the vicinity of where I grew up, right? And um, where I grew up, so I live... I live really close to Niagara Falls now, like closer than I did, but I still live pretty close. But I also lived near this place called Ashland, I believe is what it was. And it was like, it was kind of like, I, I guess called like a fuel depot. I think NOCO owned it for a while and I think they sold it, but it was like these big giant. So, you know, like water towers, but the ones that aren't up in the air, they're like on the ground, but they're right, all, sure. they're all full of fuel and you pass mm-hmm. them all the time. I pass them every morning when I go to work by grand island so anyways as a kid i remember my brother going you know in a kid way saying we are we're effed if something happens because we live near one of the seven wonders where there's a power vista that powers probably half the east coast or the northeast coast so that's a target and then ashland's a target i don't know i mean there's probably other fuel places so as a kid it's terrifying well so now as an adult, you know, cause we've talked about it, you know, our kids are a little bit older, they're older teenagers and we've talked, especially with what's gone on and, and, um, the threats. And I'm like, you know what? It ain't a bad thing living this close because if they are, we're like you said, we're, we're vaporized like that. I don't want to live 150 miles away and they get that slowed. Dude, if that's, if that's going to happen, I'd rather be in a target area and just get it over Dude. with. You know, you know what I'm the, saying? The, the dream, as we talked about on the last episode, is that we would get our Rambo knives and we would uh, make us, you know, some uh, camouflage stuff out of a tarp and a rope. and Take some uh, holes initial... and put the bungee sticks in there. Yes. Once the initial blast goes over, we move into the woods 
and I'm just building traps to eat squirrels all day. Um, you know, I mean, that's the dream, right? That that's how, but here's the reality. Everybody in this house will start screaming and crying if the internet goes out for four minutes. Yep. So, I mean, when we had, um, uh, add storms like if the power goes out if the power goes out everybody just goes well i'm just moving to my phones and i'll keep watching whatever i was watching on my phone and then if the phones start to die they'll go out in their cars and start and run their cars like gigantic generators to charge up their phones so they could stay online i mean it, and then if we ran out of gas and i think we all just come in here and we all kill ourselves that's the end of it right like the <laughs> Like you go, well, there's no, no way to get on the internet anymore. That's the end of the line. So I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't like, I, I would like to say, I would like to feel like I'm that guy. That's like, I'm ready for round two. You know what I mean? I'm going around, but the reality is like, I have zero skills. Like if they come around, like there's a militia and they're like, listen, we've been attacked by world war three and nuclear bombs have gone off. What are you good at? And I was like, do you need a podcast about Commodore games? Because that's what it, so if, if uh, the troops are down and you want me to, to talk about spy hunter, um, I mean, I'm good for that, but I don't like, I had, and, a, I had a commando <laughs> arcade machine, <laughs> right? Like I could get, I could know the secret. I know the Konami unlock code <laughs> and I carry warriors that'll get you somewhere. I play Contra. Um, I feel like in um, in D and D days, I would have been either a jester or a bard. <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. You know, like I could. I'm get well. I'm at that point. I'm screwed because I can't even use YouTube to learn how to play a mandolin. So I don't. I mean. Now what am I going to do? Fake playing a ukulele and just walk around and be like, the war has happened. The what? Somebody's going to shoot me in the head in like four minutes. They don't want to hear that. So I got nothing. I got, I literally like, if they say there's a nuclear strike and it's heading towards the air force base, I'm just going to get on my car and drive closer to it. <laughs> That's what I don't want to be outside the zone. I want to be closer to the strike zone. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you, bud. I don't know what I have to offer. <laughs> and it's the no, same. I, and it's the same thing when when something's going down here. Like, I have to uh, prepare everybody's chargers and all that stuff. And they don't even do it so because I, they know I'm going to do it. Right. You got to charge the chargers. You got to charge the batteries to charge the things that charge the other things. Um, I'm looking real quick to see if. Um, Special bulletin, I'm sure it is, uh, is probably on, yeah, it is. It's on YouTube. So if you haven't seen this and you want a glimpse uh, into what it was like, and then again, you just got to put yourself in the in the time. You know, this is the 80s. Everybody was worried about nuclear war. And, um, and this was presented, like you said, like um, War of the Worlds. It was presented like a, an actual news broadcast at the time. They did put things on the screen that said, you know, this is a dramatization. This is not real because they didn't want people to freak out. But, but that's how it was presented as as a live um, dramatization. So um, I, I don't know that everybody would enjoy it, but if you were from that era, I think it's something that you could probably appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, people listening to this show, I'm sure obviously, or I would imagine somewhere around our age, you know, and, and have 
lived through it and could definitely be like, oh, yeah, because that's what it did for me. It like kind of stirred up like that memory of those um, those those fears as a kid, you know, and I just remember my grandma, my grandmother was like a news hound. Right. So she was always like, you know, don't drink, not drink a fountain, you get AIDS or, you know, <laughs> you know, what's that noise? Is it a jet or it's a nuclear? You know, she wasn't that bad. But you know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah, so it was it was very fearful time. Yeah, and not to belabor the point, but as a kid, it's not only that fear, but but it's a hopeless fear. Yeah. It's not like, you know, when somebody goes, well, there's snakes, and you go, well, I'll put up a trap or, or do something. Or not only know? that, or my dad will get rid of the snake. You, yes. knew, you knew that your parents couldn't do anything about this. So, no. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm throw us in the car, and we would all drive closer to the snake. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought this one up. I, this was... This definitely uh, was something that I I never even heard of. Glad I watched it. And like I said, you you could be cleaning the kitchen this weekend and put it on. And you don't even have to watch it. Put in laundry away. You can just listen to it, and it, you get that sense of. I mean, it's a little over the top in some things, right? But it it definitely has that aspect too of the the government not letting you in on everything, and and is it or are these guys bluffing? What's going on? Type of thing. Um, it's it's good. It was good. So. One one last uh, takeaway for you sure. is when um, blockbusters started closing down, uh, they had these big sales, right? And so they all their toys went on sale, and all their the, the you know, different things that they had in the stores went on sale, and then eventually they sold off videotapes. And so we went uh, to one of my local blockbusters, and we were looking through videotapes, and I found Special Bulletin on VHS. So I do have a copy of this on on videotape. Huh. So it's not not a recording from TV, but an actual one that they sold uh, later. Case on. and all. And you so, have a case too. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So uh, it's definitely. Uh, I got rid of ninety nine percent of all my videotapes years ago, but I kept a one little small shelf full of like you know original ones and right. ones from the childhood that meant something to me, and and that's on that case. Well, so, you should definitely so put on. that with the VCR in your fallout shelter. <laughs> I'll just watch it over and over and be like, yeah. Oh, we got bombed again. Yeah. We got by every, we got bombed every hour, 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we have, if we're trying to stay by our, uh, timelines here, we got about 20 minutes left and we have one movie and then we have a little kind of a topic, I guess, or like three in one. I'm going to ask you here on the fly. Do you want to do this mm-hmm. movie, which I'm going to let you introduce, or do you want to, talk about the uh the uh specials that that we had watched uh let's see do i want to it's talk up to about you the because greatest I, movie of all time that's why uh, I, I think we shall that's I why i'm shall. asking you and i'm gonna let you introduce this garbage <laughs> well i sure hope uh, a troop of ninjas don't who just uh, who just climbed up my roof your, your opinion yeah uh <laughs> seek him uh so uh Revenge of the Ninja was released in 1983. Uh, my affection and love of ninjas as well. Oh, God, you're doing it. So, are you trying to serenade, or serenade <laughs> me? It's, oh, my heart goes pitter-patter. Oh, oh God, making um, things move. You know, uh, I don't really... So, uh, Revenge of the Ninja is the second in what is called the original Ninja Trilogy. 
Um, it, there are three ninja movies. The first was Enter the Ninja. This was uh, Revenge of the Ninja. And the third was Ninja 3, The Domination. They're not related in plot or characters. They're not really related by any way, except for they all star Sho Kosugi as uh, pretty much the head ninja in all three movies. Um, the Enter the Ninja was like kind of, it, it was so early. It wasn't really, there wasn't a ninja fad yet. You know, I mean, the, the Kung Fu slash ninja fad came about because of the Bruce Lee movies in the late seventies, like game of death, you know, and, and enter the dragon. And then that's when the whole ninja craze started as part of that. Uh, so enter the ninja was pretty early, but revenge of the ninja is like, it's so over the top and it's so goofy, but it's so great. And when I saw it as at 10 years old, I was like, this is what I want to be. I mean, this was my first career choice. When I grew up, I was going to be a ninja. Like I wanted to be a uh, importer of Asian dolls, you know, which of course, <laughs> as you know, um, I I had to give up, uh, you know, because I gave up that dream to become a professional break dancer. And then when that didn't pan out, I had to give that up to be a skateboarder. Right. Yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, this movie does have a plot. Um, you know, the plot of enter the ninja, the first one is, Hey, there's a bunch of ninjas. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the plot of that movie, but this is like an actual story. It's this guy, you know, um, and, and he, uh, uh, I think his name is Cho, but I, you know, it's, it's Shokosuke and he, he comes to a Amer- Well, first of all, his fan in the first two minutes, his entire family is slaughtered as mother and his wife and everybody, except for his kid. Uh, is, is uh, saved because they, they put him in a little uh, bassinet in the lake and, and the ninjas don't get him. But uh, And then he comes bebopping home. He's like, hey, everybody, what's for dinner? Oh, <laughs> I guess we're not having anything because my whole family's dead. Um, but uh, then we, we jump forward in time and essentially he has uh, moved to America and he started this business where he's going to import uh, Japanese dolls and he's partnered with a guy who is filling the dolls with heroin as part of a drug smuggling thing so um there's going to be some amazing ninja action i am uh you you've hinted at your opinion of this movie and i might just talk for the whole this might be like a filibuster i might talk for the whole (laughs) 10 minutes and hold you out so that you can't um uh can't give your opinion but uh Let's see. We get uh, a blowgun. Doesn't he? He shoots a blowgun dart into a guy's revolver. Like that's not impressive. We got um, the infamous ninja belt buckle, where it's a belt buckle and he twists the star off and throws it at a guy. That's it. Um, and uh, I'm, you know what? I will get your opinion on this, and then I want to talk about one of the the greatest and craziest end fight scenes oh uh, in a ninja movie, which really set the I mean, this sets the bar for many, many uh, years of ninja movies to come. So what did you think of this movie? When I was... Okay, so anyway, at the fight at the end... (laughs) Okay. So when I was nine years old, all right, I too wanted to be a ninja. Uh, Good. I could have been in my clan. I too took martial arts like you did. You took karate. I took taekwondo. We talked a little bit this morning off mic about it. I loved it, man. I, and I loved this movie when I was a kid. 
There you go. But Two thumbs up for the movie. Nope. Let's move along. But, uh, what? As uh, I said in the beginning of the episode, sometimes you have a feeling for something when you're younger and a different feeling uh, when you're older. Uh, and I will refrain from using the exact language I used with you this morning. But this movie is the biggest pile of doo-doo as an adult. I, I'm like, I will never watch this movie again. And the end scene was the freaking topping of everything. I mean, these not only these guys have little explosive like balls are throwing around at each other, um, but they clearly have like, like you ever see those little towels that are folded up like little tiny squares and you get them wet and then the, oh, it's a washcloth. They're real. Right, like right. he obviously had some sort of mannequin in his back pocket because in the <laughs> fight scene at the end, you know, yeah. uh, uh, show can't find him. And then he sees him and he cuts him in half right down the middle. Oh no, it's not him. It's a dummy. And then you hear off the, you know, off camera, you're, <laughs> like this maniacal laugh right and then you know fast forward another you know couple minutes there happens to be a hot tub on top of this building right and he's like i don't know where could he be where could he be oh a hand grab me let me cut that hand off except for it's a mechanical robot hand oh that's right he had a, he like dude and they hadn't planned to fight up there so and then so the, somehow he planted a robot hand. Yeah, I mean, that he just carries it around with him. Aside from like the multiple rape attempts on the oh, the female, yeah, that's a yeah, the female character. I'm just like, Jesus, man. Um, on Kathy, it just and then, and then and then and then you had like the Walmart version of Joe Pesci, who is the. Uh, uh, I don't even know what his name was. Mario Gale or no, uh, that's Mar- that's, the, that's the guy who played him. Sorry, Mario. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, Cafano. Cafano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> yeah, he is like Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then the fact that uh, Braden, you know, had to have this like, uh, uh, what was the name? Destro with the the the, the silver face. Uh, in yeah. I'm just like. Like, if you can't find a guy that you want to do the part, or if this guy, like, can't do the part and you got to put a mask on him, like, couldn't you have found an actor that could have? Like, Well, they, that's they, exactly, I mean, that is what the problem is. And was, it's not like this guy there. was, like, some amazing yeah. actor in this movie or something. We're like, we got to have him. We got to. We'll throw a mask on him. But we got to have right. him. Right. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, you, you haven't mentioned my favorite actor, um, uh, Professor Tanaka. He, uh, who's uh, one of the be- the big giant Asian guy with the big beard. Who, oh, uh, you mean one of the other guys that tries to rape her? Yeah, I know it's a long line. Um, but uh, you know he is uh, also uh, from. Uh, well, he's been in a zillion. He's been in tons movies. of things. He's all yeah. Kiwi's big adventure. <laughs> Where is he? He's having his bath. I believe. I mean, I'm. I haven't looked it up, but I'm. I think he was in a James Bond movie too, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. He had the uh, top hat on or something, right? Uh, yeah. So in uh, in this movie, he plays sumo servant. <laughs> this, is, this is his character. Um. So, first of all, the the end fight of this movie 
is so absolutely bonkers that you just have to laugh at it. I mean, it is so, you know, I mean, literally just like what you said, like there's one where, you know, the, the uh, bad ninja and, and again, ninja movies in general have a problem. Uh, how are you going to tell the actors apart? Right? Like if you got two guys that are in ninja suits, they look the same. So you got to do something. You got to take the mask off of one sure. guy or you give the other guy a metal mask, you know, which is, um, you know, partially what they were, I think, trying to do to separate them. But obviously also it's, it's very obvious that it's not the same actor that's, that's, um, when he's not in the ninja suit. Hey, so um, can I ask you something? So, you <laughs> yeah. know, it takes a ninja to, to kill a ninja, right? Yes. So your son's been kidnapped by the bad ninja. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be the I good ninja. Do you take time to put eyeliner on? Um, I almost wondered if it was if he has it tattooed because he, he has it on in every movie. He looks like that. Yeah, but not in the rest of the movie. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And by the way, his um, son in this movie is Kane, who's played by Kane Kane Kosugi. It's Sho Kosugi's actual son. He's been in a million movies as well. He was a, a stunt guy. Um. So yeah, it's kind of a, a family, a, it's a family movie, Sean. It's a family affair. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, and, and I gotta tell you, if you, if you, you might appreciate this movie more. I have this movie on Blu-ray. This was actually released on Blu-ray a couple of years ago and it's much better in, um, in HD. Uh, oh, so I'm maybe, sure. Maybe that's why you might've just seen uh, uh, the DVD. So in Blu-ray, it's better. Um, but, the Blu-ray, I think also the DVD, has a commentary track. And the commentary track is by uh, the director and also the lead um, stunt coordinator. And so the entire uh, commentary track is him just pointing out himself over and over and over. So in the opening scene, you know, where they're... they're uh, they're fighting, you know, the director says, now the uh, enemy clan's going to come in. The guy goes, oh, and by the way, that's uh, me getting shot with the arrow. And then he goes, yes. And then, um, so what we have, ah, that's me getting stabbed. And, and then he's like, and also, if you notice, that's me shooting an arrow. And then that's me getting shot by my own arrow. <laughs> and um, I believe in the uh, scene where there's the... Uh, uh, where they go to the back of the warehouse and he hires the guys. There's the, they're kind of like the, um, uh, the, the dollar general version of the, uh, um, village people. <laughs> the dollar general version. <laughs> it's like a construction guy and a, and a native American guy with tomahawk. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad, but he's, He's definitely, uh, I think he's the, the, um, native American guy. I think it's that, uh, he's one of the guys for sure. Dan. I think his uh, name is. I don't, I don't know, but, um, no, I mean, Don he's Shanks, be Don, Sh Don Shanks I think him. is, uh, he, he was the, the, they have him labeled as chief. Uh, I have to look. Yeah. It says quick, actor but, uh, stunts, costume and warm wardrobe department under his imdb so uh, but yeah it, it is um uh it, it's so good it's just um you know him giving all sorts of inside 
information about how they do the stunts and 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 the fights and stuff so uh, it takes it from a 10 to an 11 oh say, yeah would be my review so you know there's so there's a part where it's it's after um his son goes missing like he knows like he he knew something was dangerous was going on he's gonna go and he won't come back till he's safe so um kathy hasn't abducted him yet under uh, because I mean, ninjas also put trances on you if you count with them from five down to, to one. <laughs> they can they, hypnotize, they can hypnotize you. you to do things. But um, uh, the the detective that he know, that that Cho knows, right? Is that Detective Rios? Is that who that is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's the all. He also knows, you know, martial arts and stuff. I I felt like when he's like, hey, I know some guys we can go question them, and he gets in the fight with all the guys, and that's when you see the belt buckle. The I think that's when he takes the uh, throwing star off his belt buckle, and because mm-hmm. there's a there's a guy shooting at him, and he throws it, and his hand gets. I feel like that scene. I feel like you know because he's friends with this detective, right? And right. he's been trying to get him to kind of work with the cops, and he's like, no, I can't, or whatever. I feel like. He purposely took him there to get him a taste of that that blood and to, to you know kick some ass. Like he wasn't, he oh. knew these guys had no idea. He's just like, look, we're gonna go there and you'll kick the shit out of them, and then you'll want to, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like join just, me, right? I, I I so what I'm saying is I kind of felt bad for them guys in the park. They weren't doing nothing wrong but sitting in the park, probably maybe saying a few things to people. But hey, it was the early '80s, but right. they weren't bothering nobody. He knew that. He just took him there. He wanted Joe to, 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 to kick some butt. It was the rest of the village people. <laughs> out there. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Shokosugi was like um, a father to me. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, that might be overstated. But, so, um, I, so I picked Dabney Coleman and you picked <laughs> Shokosugi. Shokosugi. Okay. Um, you know, he did the TV show, The Master. He did all these movies. Um, and it's just like, I mean, I think to me, it's like like this and the next one, which uh, I probably won't make you watch on a future episode, Ninja 3, The Domination, which is, um, you know how the, the fight, the last fight of this movie is bonkers? It's like if you took that and then made a whole movie out of it. Uh, I mean, at one point, there's a, an arcade game that's possessed. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's off the charts. Yeah, I, and, I, I'd, I'd like to maybe take a pass on that one if we could if i could put a request in i'm gonna i'm gonna if we ever have another child i'm gonna name it ninja three the domination that's a long first name but i'll get there on the birth certificate but um you know this movie i don't i don't remember if i saw it on hbo i mean i would have had to i don't i didn't go see this at the movies um, I mean, I had to see it at home, but then it became like one of those movies that we started renting all the time when we could go to the, the movie rental place. And then eventually we had a copy and it was just, um, you know, it just kind of like summarized like that whole thing. I mean, I'm sure it was this movie that after this, you know, I got a ninja suit. I got a sword that somehow had a point, but that you couldn't sharpen. I got tabi and ninja shoes and I'd walk around, try and walk softly around, you know, um, I, uh, never had the, uh, Ninja star belt buckle, but, um, I did have a few throwing stars. I had throwing stars. You know, what's funny. And I wasn't now, trained by a ninja and I could throw them into a tree. 
Well, yeah, the thing is, you had to get the Chinese throwing stars because the Chinese throwing stars would have like 10 points or 8 points. So no matter how you threw it, it would stick into something. Mine had four. You could stick those? Mm hmm. Oh, man. I had like, I had not one every, of those. Not every time, but I did. Yeah. So I, yeah, I know. Gonna, I know the ones you're talking about. They almost look like they're like blades that would go on your circular saw or something. They have yeah. like you know, 125 teeth. I'm going to tell you a, a, a story that haunts me to this day. My next door neighbor, uh, there were three brothers, and the middle one, who was like three years older than us, like would tell us these stories. He would like he told us, and, and there's a a part in. Revenge of the Ninja, where before they fight, they do these configurations with their fingers. And they're like, yeah. And yeah. they all have different yeah. names that it's supposed <laughs> to get. And then we would just make them up, my friends and I. We'd be like, Zen, <laughs> you know, Coca-Cola. Like, we didn't know what they were. We would just make them up. And he told us all these stories. He was like, and of course, you know, when you're a little kid and an older kid tells you stuff, you just believe him, mm -hmm. you know? He told us that if we did those long enough, we could change the color of our eyes. Oh, <laughs> I know like, where this is going. No, he was like, he would said, um, no, <laughs> he said, he was like, I've got brown eyes, but if you do this, I could turn my eyes blue. And then when I, when people see me as a ninja, we, they wouldn't know, you know, and I was like, oh my God, this guy is a ninja. He's like a real ninja. And um, they had a, a, a wooden picket fence behind their house and we would throw Chinese stars at the fence. He taught me how to do to throw stars. And then one day uh, he had a blowgun and he was like, Hey, yeah, you want to do this blowgun? And so, I mean, you got to imagine this is like a, you know, I don't know how long that it was three foot long, four foot long. I mean, it's a long pipe. And then the, the darts were like around a bead the long straight needle on the end of it you know and so we put the dart in the blowgun and he says now before you blow take a deep breath in and i put my lips on the thing and i took a deep breath in and that thing came flying back and hit me in the teeth so hard the the dart like the the bead and i almost thought i was gonna swallow it and then he was like, oh, you know, and then he kind of like took it. He was like, yeah, don't do that. That that <laughs> would know? be my fear that the inhale right. to blow it out. Like, oh, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> well, you have to inhale without your mouth on the blowgun, apparently. But, uh, you know, as when a 10 year old, I didn't know that. Yeah, but a ninja uh, doesn't. They just put, put it on their mouth and they're like. <laughs> they've already got because they got ninja air power in their lungs. They don't have to. But um, I just I mean, as an adult, sometimes I think like. If I would have swallowed that, like if you swallow a two inch long dart, like, I mean, that could have killed me. Or so I would definitely have to have surgery. You're it not going to poop out a giant dart. It would probably get stuck in your throat. That would definitely hurt for sure. Yes. So anyway, that's where I quit being a ninja. That's why I had to move to break dancing. There was yeah. much less lethal weapons, you know? I so. was telling my wife, like, I, I'm like, Rob loves this. And she's like, oh, yeah, he, he wanted to be a ninja. I'm like, yeah, he did a whole episode on You Don't Know Flack about ninjas, so you can go <laughs> listen to that. Um, I said, I, and I wanted to be. Like, I was so in. I watched this movie a ton when I was a kid. But then I grew up. <laughs> didn't do anything for you? <laughs> no, it didn't do nothing for well, me, man. So I hope Sokusogi doesn't uh, come for you in the night. Just saying. So this, is, so this is when we say if we recommend or not. I say no. Don't waste your time. 
go watch go watch the, the morning after or whatever that thing was that we just did a special report uh man can i recommend this today yes i will i will recommend it it's, all right um, uh it's good karate good ninja fun if you like ninja movies it's a good ninja. i mean movie. i i'm sorry to you as a friend i know um that you're probably a little disappointed that i don't like it that we can't talk for hours on boxer about all the <sighs> spraying blood and all this kind of stuff but hey and i'm I'm sorry that we won't be friends too. So that's a- <laughs> we won't we won't be getting to 1984, folks. So that's it. <laughs> so listen, we have this little thing going now, right? We we are past our hour and a half limit. Um, but I'm gonna give us five minutes to kind of talk about what. Uh, so you had brought some uh, some specials to my attention. You said, "Hey, what do we talk about? Like these these three specials." Um, comedy specials from when we were younger. You got Eddie Murphy, Delirious. You got Cosby himself and Richard Pryor here and now. Um, so I will say, I mean, I listened to them all. I, that's a nice thing about stand up. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. You can just mm-hmm. listen to it. So I did that. And the Richard Pryor, I had never heard the Richard Pryor one, or at least not all of it. Honestly, it didn't it didn't do anything for me. Like I don't even remember really laughing at all. Um and I'm not a prude by any means or anything, so it wasn't like that. Um and then I listened to the Eddie Murphy. Now, Eddie Murphy Delirious and I want to say Raw. Raw was the one where he had like the red red leather suit, right? Or was that this one? On this one is the red one and the next one is the blue one, yeah. Okay. So, I got these from the uh Columbia House, you know, get Eight cassettes, oh, and, buy, wow. and then you got to buy two cassettes. Like, my mom, I mean, come on. We're latchkey kids. Our parents didn't give a shit, right? Right. Like, no. like, Mom, can I get eight for a penny? Yeah, sure. So I got the signed cassette, and I'm, I'm listening to this thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm nine years old, ten years old when I got this thing. Maybe it had been out mm-hmm. for a year. but So I'm listening to this at work, and I'm laughing my butt off because i totally remember <laughs> listening to this as a kid there there were some excuse me um parts of the special i mean that you know now if you're going into modern times with the way things are you you know you'd have to rewrite them a little bit the delivery yeah. um but in general i just remember listening to it and 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 really because it was filthy right because it was, i was a kid and it was completely filthy so I thought it was just hilarious. Um, and then, so then there's the uh, Cosby special. And that one, again, remembered it. I saw this a ton as a kid. I remember my mom would quote lines from this uh, special. Um, so, you know, uh, re- removing yourself from his evilness that we discovered of him. Mm, sure. Um, removing that, right? And just from this special, I was laughing my ass off. And now, I mean, back then I'm laughing probably more at the bush, you know, the way he was delivering the lines. But now as an adult and as a parent, I'm going, wow, I think I messaged you like this special, you know, delirious. I'm laughing because it's filthy. And I remember listening to it. It's it's good. This one now I'm laughing because there's so much relatable Yes. T- you know, content in this as a dad, as you know, as a husband, 
so relatable with some stuff. So I en- yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, you know, the, uh, early eighties and the reason, you know, I, we could have put one of these to talk about and there were other comedy specials. I told you I was going to throw Gallagher yeah. and some <clears> other <throat> stuff in the list. So, so you could make it a whole list, but these three, you know, were all, um, black men, uh, and, and, um, it was like, this was, you know, the early eighties, this is like the resurgence of stand up comedy. Right. Like now you're seeing stand up comedy. And also you have cable television. So they've got to put stuff on cable uh, to fill, you know, especially the pay channels, you know, HBO, Showtime. You got to have, you got to have content running 24 7 all of a sudden. So you, you've got, uh, you know, this is where we started getting all those like evening at the improv and all those other stand up, you know, so, so stand up comedy becomes really hot, uh, you know, starting again in the early 80s. And the reason I picked these three is because, they're so different and you know like you said like i almost felt like when i was listening to the richard pryor one i felt like he was like the school of comedy where he did not have a script you know like the first 15 maybe 20 minutes is just him like riffing with the crowd and you know people that are coming in late they haven't sat down he's doing that when somebody yells in the audience he reacts to him yeah he does a whole bit about the 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 backdrop because it's in new orleans and it's a backdrop of a house and he's like oh i can't find my keys you know it's just him like it's like if you told somebody hey you're funny go out on this stage and be funny for an hour and a half you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it's it's that kind of comedy and you got bill cosby um, you know, it's like what you said, the elephant in the room, we know, you know, what Bill Cosby did, what he's been accused of and all these things. So we know that there's the two sides of Bill Cosby, right? Which is a huge shame. I grew up, uh, when I got a record player, my mom had like a dozen Bill Cosby records and I listened to them and I listened to them so many times that when I would go on the bus, the school bus, and I would just do Bill Cosby material. You know, I would just start telling a story and people were like, Oh, that's funny. And I was just repeating Bill Cosby stuff. You know, um, I remember several years ago, uh, not several, a couple of years ago, my wife went out of town and I was in charge of the children. And I told my daughter, I said, Hey, well, mom's out. Uh, you know, maybe we'll have chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> she was like, she's like, what? And I was like, dad is great give us the chocolate cake. And she says, what are you talking about? And I go, let me show you this Bill Cosby thing. And it was like, I had just flashed her or something. You know what I mean? Like her eye, she was like, no, you know? And I was like, whoa, 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 well, this is like before he was a bad guy. And I was like, well, it's not really, it's just kind of before we knew he was a bad yeah, guy. Right, right, <laughs> you know? yeah. But, but you know, uh, kids today are just, you know, it's like it was like in horror, you know, like my kids one time I was like, you know what the best thing about Michael Jackson was? And they immediately said uh, that he's dead because he was a pedophile. And I'm like, I was going to say thriller. Um, oh, my <laughs> God. That was... So this has nothing to do with him personally. I hated thriller. I absolutely oh. hated thriller. And I remember. Uh, the I'm... song specifically or the whole album? The 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 song spe- specifically. Okay. I, I just could okay. not stand that, that song. And there was one year where it was, I think, called the Roberts Review or something, the school I went to. Um, 
and uh, it was like a talent show type thing, right? And so me and my buddy Eric wanted to break dance. We wanted to do a, our own little <laughs> like break dance to um, you know that song Egyptian Lover. Oh yes, great great breaking type tune, right? And yes. so they said okay, and we had to kind of choreograph our own little thing, which. We just kind of freestyle. We had like a way we came in, and then it was all, it was all freestyle after that point. But the catch was we had to participate in the group presentation of Thriller. Mm-hmm. So I had to sit there and do the you are throwing the arms up and doing the zombie crap, and I'm like, I, I, oh, I it was like actual choreographed, yes, just like the to, video. Yes, I oh, hated wow. it. Okay. So I've said this before on the show. Just because we do this and we talk about retro things, it's only because yeah, I get warm and fuzzy about things. Doesn't mean I like everything. Doesn't mean I know everything. I don't, and I don't like everything. And I hate Thriller when it comes on at Halloween, if I can, without getting in trouble with my wife and kids, I'll skip it. I hate it. Hit a skip. I hate it. It has nothing to do skips. with with that. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's kind of hard to not talk about you know, the reality of what the, we find out about right. these people, but it's like, right. Th- the point is we're talking about a time from when we were, when we were kids and we were growing up and we didn't know any of that stuff. And the fact of the matter is this special was huge. It, I mean, you could damn near say this was a blockbuster in the sense of stand up comedy. Um, oh specials. man, everybody knew it. Everybody, you could make any of the jokes you could, you know, you didn't, you didn't have to do the whole material. You could just say, dad is great. And someone would finish the joke. Right. Um, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, this is one that, I mean, the special itself, again, as an adult, like what you said, like all the stuff where he's talking about the kids, you know, kids having brain damage and telling a kid to say, no, my friend told me not to drink a drink. <laughs> and then he drinks the drink. He's like, why'd you do that? I don't know. I mean, anybody who's been a parent, man, it is just like, you're like. And then he says, and then his wife asks him, like, why, whatever. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it's the thing about Bill Cosby, uh, you know, and his comedy is that he, he saw things in real life that were funny and told them in a funny way, you know, and it, it, it is just a shame, uh, the way that things played out because, um, you know, he, he is definitely, as far as his comedy goes, uh, one of the greats. Yeah. I mean, oh, I've, so, and, and that's not, not how he'll be remembered as too bad. Absolutely. And it's it's not even too bad for him. It's obviously it's too bad for what he did to people. So too bad for them really is the, is the sad part of it. Right. Um, yeah. But again, if you're just going back to when we were growing up at this time and this was what it was, it was a hilarious special. So when it comes to what I recommend. Yeah, I would. I mean. If you're obviously just like we said with the other movies, you're you're probably of that age. So, you know, and if you don't want to because of whatever, you know, what he the monster that he is now that we know of, then that's cool, too. You know, but sure. Be for the sure. show and because it was a big it, it's what I guess to, to me, I looked at it as it's like history. You know, like some people don't want to talk about. I had a history teacher, right? When I was in high school, I could not wait for U.S. history. I couldn't wait for U.S. history. And 
my teacher was an ass because he would skip every war because war is bad. You know, he was, I don't know, he was an old hippie dude or what, but I was just like, are you serious? Like, that's history. So I'm not saying that this is history, but it's like, it was a part of our lives. It was, it happened then. It was hilarious. It was a blockbuster comedy special. So looking at it that way, doesn't mean we're supporting who he was behind scenes. It was funny. It right. was funny. just about, you know, when we were 10, we watched this all the time, yeah. we memorize these bits, you know, and, and not just memorize them then, but I mean, to this day, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's funny that this came up because I told you that my wife had a, a dentist appointment this week. Oh, and I right. told someone at work, I was like, oh yeah, my wife had to go to the dentist and he was like, smubbick, <laughs> smubbick fiber, <laughs> which is a whole bit Bill Cosby does about being at the dentist and thinking his mouth is on fire, you know? So it's like, and that person did not know we were going to talk about this, did not know anything about it. And it was just like, that was their, their go-to. It just became, you know, part of, uh, you know, our, our language, our stories. So, yeah. uh, I'll touch briefly on the uh, the third one, uh, Eddie Murphy. Um, it was the same thing, like what you said. Like it was the dirty tape. It was the tape we listened to on the back of the bus uh, when we when we didn't. The grownups couldn't hear us. Um, we knew every bit. Uh, I mean, uh, who as a kid, you know, our age didn't go you know, get the ice cream man, you know, and then we'd be like, I got some ice cream. I got some ice cream and you can have none. I mean, we all know yeah, the bits. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were two things that shocked me watching this back. Cause I haven't seen this in a long, long time. Like I thought, Oh, I remember that, you know, ice cream, man. I remember that. Uh, there's some language. There's some jokes on this that have not aged. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, what I was saying. Yeah. 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 But, that's it, the but, first, it, I, but again, shocking. I was shocked. Yeah. But again, you go back to when, you know, this came out and that's just what it was. That's how people, was. Talked how people and, spoke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so you had to listen to it with those 80s ears and not yeah, get offended. One my, yeah. One of my favorite jokes uh, when he starts a bit and he goes, so does anybody here have cable TV? And then like. A few people clap, and I was like, gosh, you forget that in 1983, not everybody in the world had cable. You know what I mean? Like, that it was a uh, a weird thing, but I was like, well, that's weird. Like, <laughs> like you would think that everybody, I don't know, it just it just struck me as, as a dated, definitely a dated reference, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the other takeaway is at the very end of this, uh, of that special, he's talking, and he's basically, it's his, his parting words. And he makes a reference that he says that he's 22 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. I was, I was like, and you got to think like, this is already, I mean, we already have, uh, this is the same year that, that trading places comes out. This is, I mean, we got Eddie Murphy Saturday night live. We are, I mean, this is Eddie Murphy is famous. And then I think he's 22. Like both of us have 21 year old kids and I don't think our kids are going to be multimillionaires on stage next year. No. <laughs> like I hope they are, but I don't see it happening. They think but, they uh, are, but <laughs> Hey, you know what? We could get them. Uh, let's get both of them uh, on stage to do uh, Eddie Murphy's material. And I guarantee they'll make the news. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right, we are we are well beyond our hour and a half time limit. So if you can rapid fire some of the uh, honorable mentions, and then we will uh, do some closing. Man, it was 1983, and so number one, you got to say uh, Return of the Jedi, um, which is also this is the 40 year anniversary. It's coming back in theaters this weekend or next weekend. But man, there's so many big hitters. You got Scarface, you got a Christmas Story, you got the right stuff, which made us all want to be astronauts. Uh, Trading Places, which we mentioned, Eddie Murphy. Uh, lots of good sequels. You had um, Superman 3. You had um, Jaws 3. You had um, Amityville Horror 3D. Uh, it's just, just so many uh, good. Of course, we got also DC Cab. Uh, Mr. T has now, as you know, he, he got famous in uh, Rocky Three, and now he gets his own movie where he works at a cab cab driving company. So there's there's lots of tons of good movies. We could do this episode three times with all the great movies from 1983, and it's just gonna get harder for us to pick as the timeline goes on as we get older. Uh, you know, as we move through that timeline and we get older and, and, and get more into Yeah, I, th- I think we're definitely approaching uh, some tough, some tough uh, pick years for sure yeah. coming up. I think this was the beginning of it. This is like dipping our toe into it. So um, anyways, hey, great time as usual. I look forward to doing uh, 1984 next month. Um, like I had said during the show, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. You can find that uh, in your feed, in this feed you're listening to us on now. And War Games, you can go back to throwbackreviews.com and you can find a whole ton of old episodes. Just go to throwbackreviews.com and you'll see an archives page, a link. And that is just a static page that has multiple links to a lot of old episodes that we've done over the years. Um, but Rob O'Hara... If anybody wants to go back and listen to the ninja episode that you did, where can they find your stuff at? All my podcasts are located at podcast.robohara.com. If you can't remember that, just go to robohara.com. You'll find a link uh, to that. Podcast.robohara.com has all the Sprite Castle episodes, You Don't Know Flack episodes, all the other shows uh, that I'm doing right now. It also has, I added Rando Rob, which is a show I do about random things in my collection and around my house. There's a feed for Rando Rob now over on podcast.robohara.com. And if you want to watch the video, of Rando Rob so you can actually see all the goofy stuff that I've collected in my life that is available at youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara there's a playlist for Rando Rob there and if you want to follow my adventures in turning a regular van into a sweet camper van you can find that at bigrobsvan.com or on YouTube just go to youtube.com forward slash at symbol bigrobsvan very good. Lots of good content there. And uh, if you want to find any of my other podcasts, you can go to uh, alldutchpods.com. There'll be a link on the right-hand side to all my other podcasts that I am currently and uh, even some old ones that I've had that are still uh, out there. There's links to all those shows. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Movies by the Decade. We'll be back next month in May to do 19... 19- 84. We will talk to you yep. guys next month. That'll be a good. Oh!
It, wait, is are we really over the time limit? We are. Uh, we are extremely I, over. No, I forgot. I forgot something wicked this way comes. Oh my god! It's oh, one of, one of my wife's favorites. 1983s. Yes, it's Ray Bradbury come to life with the two boys, and they not go a out, big fan. Of course, there's the, the old man, and they come along, and and then the the circus comes to town and there's the old guy and, and it's the circus, the sideshow, And then there's lightning. Cause you gotta have lightning and there's the, the merry-go-round and goes backwards and it'll make you young again. And all the people in the town are old people, but they want to be young again. Oh my God. Oh.